It's the WP Minute. Today is WP Product Talk number three with Matt Cromwell, Kim Coleman, and their special guest, Natalie Lucier from Access Ally. They're going to talk all about setting your WordPress product roadmaps. How do you make the determination of what goes into a roadmap? Whose feedback do you take? Do you take your customer's feedback? Do you take the team's feedback? Do you just lead it with your gut instinct? It's a fantastic conversation. They do this Twitter space every week, and we record it and put it here in the WP Minute podcast feed. Have a WordPress product of your own? Want to get it in front of WordPress professionals every week? The WP Minute now has a classified section in the newsletter that goes out every Wednesday. You can buy a spot for as little as 10 bucks for the week. Go to thewpminute.com slash support to find it. That's thewpminute.com slash support. Get your classified listing in the newsletter for as little as $10 and 50 bucks for the month. That's 30 days. Okay, here's WP Product Talk. Number three. Everyone who is here, thanks so much for being here. WP Product Talk is where we're at. And if you have questions at all for any of the co-hosts today, make sure to use the hashtag WP Product Talk, and we'll be paying attention and looking out over there. And today we are joined by Natalie Lucier, and I'd love to go through and do some introductions. As My name is Matt Cromwell, one of the co-founders of GiveWP. We are the number one donation platform for WordPress for going on seven years now. And we also have been acquired by LiquidWeb and part of the Stellar WP family of brands. And we are now also overseeing marketing and development for iThemes, Cadence WP, and our iconic WP as part of the Stellar Group. I'm Kim Coleman. I'm from Paid Memberships Pro. We're an independent WordPress membership plugin. I work with my partner and we've been doing that for 12 years. This is actually the third Twitter space we've done for WP Product Talk. Looks like Natalie's in. Today we are talking about the product roadmap. Yeah, so I'm the founder of Access Ally, which is a WordPress-based solution for memberships, course communities, and also work with my husband, who's a lead developer, and I have a degree in software engineering, so this is kind of a culmination of all of, all of the years of work. <laughs> who owns your product roadmap? Is it the developers, your marketing team, leadership, your customers? If you have questions, we'll please invite you to use the WP Product Talk hashtag, um, and then I think we'll get started with a brief intro. Natalie, if you want to kick off and introduce yourself to our listeners. Yeah, thank you so much, Kimberly, for having me on. Such a great topic. I think we're going to have a great conversation here. So I'm Natalie Lucier. I'm the founder of Access Ally, which is a WordPress-based membership and online course at Community Solution. And yeah, I've just been building this company from 2013. And yeah, we've learned a lot. I have a degree in software engineering. My husband is a early developer. And I learned kind of the theory of some of what we're getting talking about today and also the practice of doing it in a real company. So I think we'll have a lot of cool stuff to talk about. I'm actually at Cabo Press right now. So I'm out of the pool, out of those talks and here with you all in my room, hopefully with a good enough internet to sustain this. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you're enjoying Cabo Press and you're able to kind of sneak away, but I uh, hope you get the most of it too. It smells awesome. It's been good. Or it's good to have a break because it kind of is an overload of business ideas. So this is a cool space to be in. So the first kind of like talking point we want to go through is why is this such a significant question, especially for WordPress products, the discussion around the roadmap and, and whether it's public or private and, and ownership of it. So Natalie, do you have any thoughts on kind of the significance of roadmaps? Yeah, so I feel like when it comes to your roadmap, it's always about kind of balancing 
what you as the product creator and what your customers want and also kind of the vision that you have for where you want it to go. And I think it's so important to have a clear plan for your product roadmap and whether it is something that you publish publicly or that you kind of keep internal that really decides where your business is going to go and where, whether you're going to get certain types of customers, whether you're going to be a good fit for like up markets or beginners or however you want to categorize different types of customers who might be using the product. And I also feel like, especially for WordPress, everyone has sort of different expectations. And so if you're publishing that publicly, that can help establish those expectations that people might have an idea of where the cause is going that you might not necessarily agree with. So this is where you can kind of set some boundaries a little bit around where you want to, to really build your product towards. So that's, to me, that's kind of where it comes in. I'm sure there's a lot more to it for, for different companies too. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's significant because we are open. A lot of WordPress products are, and that makes it a challenge because there's, if you're using GitHub, let's say, there's visibility into what your team is working on, what they're developing. People can request features. People can contribute code. And that all makes it pretty complex when you think about your roadmap. How much are you able to involve the community in driving the direction of your product? And how much do you keep internal to that? And then I think also because WordPress products are open products, there is some inclination to share what you're working on and be open about it. But with that comes some expectation of delivery dates and promises that are made. So I think it's unique in the WordPress space for those reasons, which is separate of like, we don't know what we might know what Google's working on. They might do like an annual report to investors, but it feels a little bit more closed door and private. So for me, when I think about roadmaps, I think about visibility and access to them. That's a really great point. So our product is not, it is obviously like, part of the WordPress ecosystem, but the way that we do things is a little bit more behind closed doors. So we share our roadmap, but in a more generic way. So we, so we have currently open like almost like 600 feature requests or different things that we could be working on. And what we realized is that if we publish that list of 600 things, people are kind of going to go crazy <laughs> over all of the potential things that we could be working on. So that's why we chose to kind of summarize some of the things that we're working on so that it's not so overwhelming for people. And we don't really have as many contributors to our plugin the way that we've set it up. But I think, yeah, that's the cool because you're at the different way of doing that. I think that's awesome. Part of why I wanted to make sure that we talk about this is in the WP space for a while now, I, I really have seen most products really be almost completely either founder or developer driven 100%. And over time, I really feel like that that's been a little bit of a disservice. And so that's a little bit of the way I wanted to see things go. I mean, of course, founders, they're the ones who create the thing in the first place. They got to be very much involved in the way that products are, are are built out and the main features of, of where they're going. But they have a particular perspective that I often feel like is not necessarily representative of the customer particularly well. We all live inside of WordPress so often and we easily can build blind spots to the way we build things out and say, oh, settings always look like this. But a new user comes in and, and can't quite navigate and figure out where things are at very well because they're not as accustomed to the way things are built in WordPress as we are. So that's a little bit of was a little bit of my motivation behind this this talk. I don't know. Do you resonate with that much, Natalie? Yeah, I, I love that. And I recently read a quote about how 
software should have an opinion because all software is pretty much just a database with an opinion, which I thought was really funny. But I think that's what you're getting to is that sometimes the founder has an opinion, but maybe it should also be a co-created opinion with the users and the people actually making use of the software as opposed to completely 100% based on the founder. And I think that that's something that we try to do definitely in Access Ally. I'll say what I said before all the drama with this thing, but basically for us in the WordPress space as open source product, as a product that's available on GitHub, we get a lot of input from external people about what direction our product should take. Um, the features that are most important to the noisiest voices that aren't internal to our team. And I think some WordPress, uh, other WordPress products could could share that same problem that they face. And and then within our team, there are lots of people that are listening to our customers that are developing and interested in certain features of our product. So for us, it's particularly important because it's easy to drive your product in a different direction than maybe your leadership intends because of all those voices that can be involved. Absolutely. Natalie was echoing that a little bit. Natalie? Yeah. So for us, we have someone on our team that, that basically is our product manager. And her position is all about listening to our customers and figuring out what it is that they want. And also being if that matches with the direction we want our software to keep growing and kind of evolving in. And I think for us in, in general, for WordPress, is super important to set expectations about what you can do and where you're headed. So that you attract the right types of users or customers to your software because we feel like there are so many different options out there and every tool is not for every application. So if you can be as clear in your roadmap, then you're going to have people who are going to stick with you long term. And I think that is kind of how we built up this method, kind of managing people and what they want and what the marketplace wants, but also where we want to kind of continue to grow. Mm. Yeah, excellent. Cool. So one other thing there is what what would you say like i think there's a lot of folks who kind of approach this question in different ways i kind of wrote down some notes in our in our show notes like we could talk talk about it as dev centric marketing centric customer centric founder centric or some sort of mix i think we all would like to say that we are very mixed in our approach but if you had to pick one of them natalie which one do you think that you are currently at is it a very dev-centric product roadmap. It sounds to me like you're very more customer-centric. Yeah, I, I would say mixed, but I think for sure customer-centric is our like top one. Like I mentioned earlier, we have like 600 feature requests that we could potentially be working on. But what we do is we do a lot of clarity calls, we do surveys, we do a bunch of things on our tune-up call to kind of figure out where people are stuck, where we can improve like what we already have but also where they do want us to add more features like that to kind of use that data to inform our priorities for sure kim what's your take what would you choose yeah for us i think when you say mixed you might or in my mind mixed means founder centric to a degree synthesizing those other three groups the development the marketing needs and then those customers needs maybe the marketing needs are somewhat informed by competition and just kind of landscape out there, development needs might be more focused on health of the platform, health of the code base, new uh, APIs that you have to integrate with and choices like that. The developers push for modern code, modernization of, of your code, refactoring of things. And then I think when you think founder centric, you're looking at what are like my short term, what's my one year, what's my 10 year goal for this business mm -hmm. and for this product? And how do we keep a roadmap that continues to steer our ship in that direction year over year while mm -hmm. still synthesizing every need 
that we have today to remain competitive, um, to serve our customers' needs, and then to stay current with our code base so that it doesn't get aged. Mm-hmm. Are there other ways you would classify or cl- or like describe the way your product roadmap is is influenced besides these ones? Yeah. I assume that competitive landscape falls within a marketing type level, kind of a, how do we stand up against other people who are doing this in our industry? But I I think you could mistakenly drive a roadmap on feature parity with people you you see to be like the industry leader. And I I do think that's a mistake, but I think it's something early on that people have to do, especially if you're entering an unsaturated market with a product that does similar things, you're going to spend a lot of your time of your roadmap reaching parity until you can begin some of the more innovative pieces, in my opinion. No, that's a really good point for sure. And I think that's definitely an element of marketing centric. I think sometimes it's also driven by how can we get the word out the best about about this feature release or about this this next this next product we want to launch? How are we going to be able to reach the most amount of eyeballs out in the in the marketplace? It can be. And and sometimes that ends up meaning like you're driving towards a solution that maybe no customers are asking for, (laughs) or you're driving towards a solution that is maybe a lot harder to develop than, than, than it might seem. And it's putting overdue burden on the developers. So I think there's, there's different ways in which being any one of these two, too harshly ends up being out of whack or out of balance. But I definitely think that, I think another word that came to my mind as you were talking, Kim, for founder centric might even be just like, business centric like what makes the most business sense to to building out these products we'd like to believe that we know what that answer is all the time but we might not always i always say i'm not my own customer that's kind of always a personal check that i do to say like is this assumption i'm making about this feature really based on me or is it based on what our customers actually want natalie does that resonate with you too yeah, 100%. And I think there's something to be said where sometimes you make a strategic decision where you might have a lot of people asking for a specific feature and you know it's going to take a long time to build out. And if you do that one big feature, it's going to mean something else has to slide. And potentially that could be an important business type of thing. So for example, we have like a Stripe Connect integration. And for us, like that was a business decision. It wasn't something that customers were asking for, but it made sense to prioritize that for the long-term kind of growth of the business, for example. And so, yeah, I feel like sometimes you do have to balance the things you know your customers are asking for and that do make sense, but also trying to do the things that will basically keep the business going in the right direction too. And I think Kim mentioned a lot of that dev-centric stuff as well, because sometimes you need to make sure that the code is still like super optimized or efficient or whatever it is that, that needs to happen to keep it really competitive and working well. Yeah, there's definitely been times for us that I don't I don't know if somebody cut out. Okay. Times for us where we've made a business decision. We were like, we just need cash right now. What can we develop? How can we develop features in our product that contribute cash? And mm-hmm. and those times come and go. And it's not the general way that the business has to operate, but knowing that you can pull that lever and you have a back pocket list of things that are revenue generating features, it's pretty cool. Yeah, nice. Well, one thing I always like to do in these episodes is do story time. Go around the horn and talk about kind of your own journey with this question. How has your product road mapping approach changed over time? And very importantly, why has it changed over time? Does anybody want to lead on that one, Kim, Natalie? You can go first. Yeah, so I feel like it has changed over time just as the company has grown and as we've had 
more customers asking for more things. So I think in the beginning, it was very much we had our core small group and it just made sense to, to build again customer centric, focused on what their needs are and keep them happy, keep them staying with us long term. And uh, as our company has grown, it kind of ballooned into like way too many future requests that we can actually handle. And for that, we brought in our product manager. And so now we have more touch points, but also more data around what are the things we should be prioritizing. And we have like a little formula that we use. So number of people who requested it is, is one number that goes into the formula. How easy is it to implement? And also like long-term, like does this fit with, with where we want to go product-wise on, on the company side? So those are all things that we kind of use to assess a specific feature request, for example. And then the way that we also communicate it. So we definitely thought about just publishing our whole list of things and having people vote on features. But we realized for us, it just made sense to kind of summarize the big efforts that we have and just show those as what's coming up for our customers. And also, I think it, it just kind of takes the overwhelm out for people who would potentially read our roadmap and be like, oh, my God, like, how is this all going to happen? Or mm-hmm. overwhelming as we other customers and you want to use the feature that think it might be a little bit too much. So for them to know kind of the big things on the horizon has has helped them a lot too. And we do definitely have people who are like, hey, when is this coming out? Like we're excited, we're waiting. And so it's also kind of just setting expectations around like how often we make releases and how often we're able to release those bigger features as opposed to like the small updates and stuff like that. Nice. Natalie, do, cool. do you keep that more public? Do you is it available? Like I could go to your website and, and view kind of the things on the horizon? Yeah, so we have our latest releases, and then in each release, we'll have the upcoming roadmap kind of update in there too. That's something we've always shied away from, so it's super interesting Mm -hmm. to see brands that have that in place. Go ahead, Matt. No, I I was just echoing that. We also... I, we In the very early days, we were trying to show, like, this is what we're going to work on next, and it would end up being sometimes where we had the best intentions, but not the best execution. And so folks were like, hey, when's this coming out? You said you were doing this. And we're like, ah, we did say we're doing that, but we didn't do it. Uh, so we started backing off of that. But I mean, that's a, I, I, that I might merge right into my story time a little bit. That's that's kind of the way that we've evolved too, is that in the early days, I would definitely say it was very founder centric. Devin and I would look at our product and be like, what do people need next? And we would just decide what people needed next from GiveWP. And sometimes we'd even decide kind of despite what people were saying. Like very early on, we released a Google Analytics add-on. And at that time, we really had nobody asking for it at all. But we just we just knew that like you, if you're a nonprofit and you're accepting donations online, you need to be using some sort of analytics tool. And so let's give it to you now. And over time, of course, it did become a very popular add-on. But in the early days, nobody was asking for it. So there are some times when we were definitely right. Other times when we just built stuff because we felt like it was important. But over time, as as things evolved, we got more and more requests all the time. And I think the hardest thing was being able to balance customer requests with what actually is going to make a lot of business sense for us. So how things have evolved, I think, is really, I would call it what we do now mixed in the sense that we have a product team meeting where the needs from the support team and the development team, marketing team, and the founders are are all together in one room and we talk about what's going on currently. And we also do have a public feedback board. We use a system called canny.io, which is a, a feedback system. And 
folks can go there anytime they want and upvote things and make comments on why they need it. And we can tie GitHub issues to those posts as well. And it's publicly available on feedback.givewp.com. And that is very influential in the way we do things. Now, there's one really good example of how it's a little bit complicated is in that, for example, one feature that folks have asked for for a long time is what we would call split donations. And what we found over time is that no two people agree on what that means in terms of functionality. And so balancing customer concerns or customer asks with what's feasible from the payment gateways and what's feasible development-wise and what they're actually needing has been a bit challenging. So we actually haven't been able to build that feature out quite yet because it's uh, it's it's pretty challenging and it's hard to define clearly what that means. But I do like the way that we, in which we've balanced everything now between having a project management meeting weekly that's checking in on on the current needs and wants and current issues and pain points across all the teams and listening carefully to the feedback board and being active on that feedback board. I feel like it's resulted in pretty robust releases overall. Kim, you want to do story time? Yeah. For sure. I will I will storytell and then we can kind of share all of what we think of each other's thoughts. But for us, starting on very customer centric, we would build something that one person would ask for. Like, let's build an add-on for that. How exciting. And I think it came back to bite us in the end. We have over 70 add-ons at this point. And now we're looking at it and saying, what can we bring into the core product? Um, the core product, 100% open source and free. There's no upgraded version or unlocked professional version. It is in .org. And we're actually looking at a lot of our add-ons that are revenue drivers for us in our premium plans and realizing that they belong in the core product. So we're looking at kind of undoing some of this ways that we've built in like revenue streams and bringing them into the core product because at the founder level are setting some goals to be, you know, the most open source option, the most free option and reach some huge growth targets in 10 years. And when you look at that, you think, Okay, that means we have to take down the barrier of getting the core features people need, like multiple memberships per user, like special rules about expirations and renewals based on certain dates and and things like that. So we're kind of at a point now where those high-level business founder goals are influencing the way that we roadmap. We've kind of also settled into having on GitHub kind of a next version release that's for kind of bug fixes and then the next uh, major version release so like the 3.0 version and slating things that have been in development for some time to go into that so we're kind of managing two versions at one time what's going to go out next to just bug squash and and fix some compatibilities and add a few enhancements and then what is the next big thing that's adding new features or consolidating some of those add-ons mm. That's an interesting approach. I like that. One thing that really stood out to me, Natalie, in your approach is I really like your tactic on customer clarity calls. It seems like it's customer centric to the point of making sure that you clearly understand them. Can you tell, can you dig in on that a little bit? Like, how do you make those happen and and how do they go? Are they useful? Like, are they valuable? Absolutely. Yeah. So it's something we started doing, I want to say, not a full year ago, but something close to that. And basically what we do is we just reach out to our customers. Uh, we kind of do that in two them up so they have kind of a, a wide range of different types of users of the software. And basically we ask them all kinds of questions, like what made them choose Active Ally? What do they use it for? What are the hard things? What are the easy things that they love? Like we kind of just talk all, all of the different possible angles of how they're using the software. And a lot of times what surfaces 
if they came for a specific tincture or they came for a specific integration or something like that. And then kind of dig in a little bit deeper and kind of figure out like, is that working the way that they expected? Um, is there a mismatch with our marketing or with our other expectation setting? Is there a way that we can improve that for that? If it's more of like a learning curve thing, like how can we make those types of improvements? Because sometimes it's not just like a new feature, but it's making our existing features easier to use. So almost two years ago, we released like a brand new interface for Access Ally. And that, again, was one of those things like you can roadmap it. Uh, no one's asking for it, but we know it needs to be worked on because we knew that the way things were set up initially with our interface, it worked at the time, but things had gotten more complicated over time as we added more functionality. And you had to kind of retrofit things to, to work better for people. So yeah, a lot of that can come up from those clarity calls and kind of have to read between the lines a little bit. And it's not always exactly what they think, but sometimes we do also have the ability to show them something we're working on. So for example, we have this enrollment limit feature that we've been working on for a couple of months now. And so we're going to, we had people on clarity calls and they talked about like, oh, I want to do cool for it for my courses. And so we can say, oh, well, we actually have something we're working on. I can kind of show you a quick demo and then see if that would actually solve your problems. Your problems are kind of the things you're trying to accomplish with, with your enrollment. So yeah, sometimes we do bust out something that we're working on that we can kind of demo on those calls, but a lot of times it's just listening and taking a lot of notes. And we record them, and then we actually have a meeting with the whole team to just kind of bring back the, the findings. So everyone on the team gets in the loop on, on all of those. I love that. I love that you, when you're listening, you're not thinking only development or only marketing. You're using that to kind of influence all of it. How has our support been performing for this person? How has our, our marketing been clearly communicating how to use our tool properly? And then of course, how can we better develop our tool to meet people's needs and, and make it more simple for them to access what they're looking to do? I love that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. What would you all suggest for, let's, let's think of like a, uh, a relatively small WordPress product that's just getting off the ground. They're, they're, they're freemium in one way or another, a free product with some sort of paid addition and in, in one form or another. And they're definitely, of course, founder centric at the moment. They want to start getting more customer input and customer feedback in their roadmap. What would you say is the very first thing they should do? Uh, I feel like in most cases, it, it would help, be super helpful to jump on calls with people. I know sometimes it's a little bit harder when you don't have a ton of users or maybe they're not super communicative yet. But I feel like even offering, like, I don't know, just like a little bit of advice or consulting as like a thank you for them, in whatever capacity, depending on what kind of product you for, or some other type of incentives, like, I don't know, Starbucks gift card or something like that to just get people to say yes and get on a call with you. Those are the types of things like you'll get so many insights from actually talking to a human being as opposed to like letting a survey or that kind of thing. So that would be how I approach it. I and mean, can you have another, another coach or another idea? Yeah, I definitely, I support the talking to customers early, launching something, even if it's not what you think your total complete product will be, knowing that you can add on later, but it's very, very hard to take away a feature that you're unsure about after it's been released. To sunset or to remove an aspect of a product is a super challenging thing. You have to do it with a lot of grace. Um, I would add, use the product yourself and become your own customer. And however you can imagine doing that, yeah. it's, it's helpful to you as a as a product, To whether it's a family member who you can convince to launch a business or have a use case for your product or other people close to you, or you yourself as your business, because I think that that 
you're sharing your customer's experience in a way that you can't when you're not using your product. And then I think also look closely at support, the flavor of support tickets, um, where people are getting stuck. If Justin Fairman, who exited Learn, you might know that he's coming out with a product called Gap Scout. And it's going to specifically look at all of the support tickets you're receiving, maybe across channels, um, how people are reviewing your product and the terms and phrases they're using when they give positive reviews and negative reviews. And I think going to try to consolidate that all into actions you can take to market better or document better and, of course, develop better. Mm-hmm. That's I awesome. Have, I want to throw a question out there. And how does WordPress itself, the macro WordPress development and growth and change, how do you consider that into product road mapping? Either of you have an opinion. You mean in terms of like the way WordPress as a software is heading, yeah. like both like identity, or, yeah. all that. Yeah, uh-huh, exactly. It's a good one. In many ways, so right now in the moment, we are building what we've been calling the next gen donation form builder, which is a Gutenberg powered donation form builder. And we're really excited about it. We think it's the future for sure, for GiveWP at least. And the way we're doing it is kind of unique. It's it's not like it, 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 there's a lot that goes into it, but essentially Gutenberg is basically a, a big framework that can be used in a lot of different ways. You don't have to use the whole entire thing in order to build off of it. And we're basically making like a custom editor with the Gutenberg framework. The reason why we started doing that was because of how mature Gutenberg has become and how that when it comes to editing content in WordPress, more and more folks are expecting a visual builder. And Give today is really just a big form with a bunch of settings. And you don't know what your form is going to look like until you hit publish and take a look at it or preview. And so we really felt like as WordPress is evolving to be so much more visual in the editing experience, we don't want to get left behind. So that definitely heavily influenced our our desire to, to go in this direction. But it only got confirmed once our development team really dug in and saw that Gutenberg really does have a lot of the tools in order to do this, where two years ago or three years ago, it really didn't. It, we, we it wasn't ripe and ready at that stage. So I think that's a big practical way that I would answer that personally. Natalie, do you have something on, on your mind? Yeah, it's funny because I feel like we don't take much of it into account. I know it sounds terrible, but I feel like we still head down on our feature request and the thing we're asking for. Uh, we do look a lot at how we integrate, especially with visual things. So our customers really care about their design. So, you know, how we integrate with other things um, or builders and things like that. And so definitely, we're definitely how we do things. But I feel like beyond that, we kind of just keep up and make sure it still works together, but it doesn't really influence a time how we're going to change so far. Mm. Yeah, I definitely, I like the pace at which you've talked about, Matt, like waiting to watch Gutenberg mature some. It was really challenging years ago, a few years ago now, to have come on board with some of the features that, that Gutenberg has now. You would have been always changing directions for your product. So I think watching WordPress and the new things coming as a product that you have a large user base supporting, keeping it in mind, but not letting it the next shiny thing that you have to be fully supporting in those moments. Just let WordPress itself kind of mature, let that component mature, and then figure out if it's here to stay, how does it best work for our product and for our customer base? It's a really good question. I mean, it is a unique thing for products like ours that fit in the WordPress space, how 
kind of beholden we are to where this platform is taking us. I mean, I think it would be similar for folks who are building on Shopify in particular, or anyone who maybe is doing like mobile games that are on the Play Store or the or the Apple Store. They also have certain kind of limitations they have to consider, uh, considering the environment that they're building in. But that I do think in many ways that comes, that in, does have a bit of a development focus in some ways, but also I think it's also very customer-centric in the case of WordPress at the moment, just simply because the way in which WordPress has radically altered the whole <laughs> admin interface over the last few years. That's fascinating. I know we started a bit late, but if either of you have like a last point that you want to bring up or a question to ask, we can go a little longer. We usually try to keep these to 40 minutes, but our, our kickoff was a little awkward. I defer to Natalie first. Yeah, I think a good question probably to wrap up or kind of a, a last point, I think we're just kind of remembering what it's all for, right? So I think all of us in kind of the businesses, we have a certain intention or a certain reason behind that. We kind of started because we built it for ourselves first. And then out of school, asking, hey, what are you doing? And then we made it into like a full-on product of business. And so just kind of remembering those groups and also that greater vision, I think, will help everyone who's kind of decide, like, how do I book my roadmap? And how should I publish or not publish or really organize it and make sure that it's doable? And I think the other side of it, too, is just what are your resources, both development time, hiring, all of these things, talent on the team, and just kind of remembering that we all have constraints and that we all need to not burn out. <laughs> so that's kind of another big part of, of a roadmap sometimes is like we want to promise everything to everyone, but being realistic with what we can actually accomplish within a certain time period, I think, is centered for expectations of, of people who are using it as well. So we had been exceeding intentions in the past where we're like, yeah, we're going to like, release this great, great new version before Pingu or whatnot, and it's taken us like, months longer than we thought and that's okay too so yeah so we're kind of just some closing thoughts that would mm-hmm. that's a good one i think my biggest closing thought is i have really found overall that getting our various teams and leaders within our our our, our team involved in the product roadmap has just really elevated their job satisfaction and their morale. Like when they feel like they are personally invested in the product and they have a say and a voice in how it gets shaped and where it's going, their 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 loyalty to the company and to the team just really gets amplified a ton. So I think I would just encourage everyone to really think of new and different and creative ways to get your team very much actively involved in how your product is shaped and where it's going. I mean... They are the boots on the ground, the ones that are out there listening to your customers all the time and doing the the outward work all the time. And they have they love the product ideally, <laughs> and they have great insights. That's why you hired them. So uh, use your team as much as you can. I'm going to extend on that, Matt. And with my final thought being, sometimes you can throw the product roadmap aside and allow your team to go- do some exploratory work. So. It could be for a new product you're exploring. It could be for your core product. We use ShapeUp. So we have kind of on-cycle, off-cycle time. And that off-cycle time is when we let the team members who have kind of a passion pet project or something, they just want to spend a week or two days just trying. And whether that's growing their development skills, growing their writing skills, helping us explore like kind of a really wire-framed, scrapped together version of something that could be a feature later. It, it helps you build your roadmap because you kind of learned a lot through that trial process. So that's awesome. 
a little hole for a couple of days and dig in. That's excellent. Cool, cool. Well, I think we have hit more than our 40 minutes, but this has been a great talk. Natalie, so glad to have you on board today. And everyone, if you can do us a favor and just retweet Kim's tweet with this with this Twitter space, uh, with the hashtag WP Product Talk, and tell us, uh, tell the world what your takeaway is from today. One little thing that you learned, one little thing that you liked, one little thing you thought was obnoxious, any and all of the above, I think are helpful. Also want to give a quick shout out to the WB Minute. Thanks for redistributing these talks over all the podcast things. If you're a podcaster, you can catch it on all the podcast platforms through the WP Minute. Feel free to subscribe over there, like stuff over there. Thanks everybody so much, Natalie, Kim. And next week, who do we have next week, Kim? Next week we have interesting topic. We're going to be focused on how to sunset a product that's limping. And limping is kind of awkward, I guess, with a word, but a product that you're just not seeing fit with the market, but it exists out there. And how and, and how do you go about removing it from the world? Absolutely. And our guest host is actually my business partner, Devin. So I'm excited about that. Devin and I have sunset a few products in our day. So <laughs> we're, this is going to be a fun and uncomfortable conversation. Cool. Thank you, everybody, so much. Thank you. This was awesome. Have a great day, everyone. Absolutely. You too. Thank you. You too. Week. See you next week. Bye. Hey, listener, did you enjoy this content? If you did, support the show at buymeacoffee.com slash Report. You can support the show for as little as $5 or join the Slack membership for $79 a year at buymeacoffee.com slash Report. But that's not the only way you can contribute. If you want to contribute content to the WP Minute, we're building this platform for you to get your message out, to get your content out. Fancy yourself a WordPress podcaster, blogger, but don't want to spin up your own instance yet? Head on over to the WP Minute dot com slash contact let us know you want to jump in and help us create content you'll get a free membership okay see you in the next episode